0: The podcast you are listening to is part of the Batman Podcast Network. For more information, go to batman-on-film.com. What will it be like? You mean, if it doesn't kill us both? Welcome to Sequel Cast 2, a podcast looking at films and a franchise, one movie at a time. I'm your host, Matt Bradley. Shurgy, with me is William Thrasher.
1: Hold on, you've got to give me some time to explain what's going on now. So if you line up the time crystals
0: and coordinate them reverse the polarity, then we'll get to 1997, which means absolutely nothing. I yeah, kept
1: right? expecting Schwarzenegger to just pull out a whiteboard and go full on Doc Brown and diagram the movie that he is in.
0: Marty, if we prevent your parents from conceiving, you will never exist in the first place. Yeah. it. <laughs> we are talking about the last film uh, so far in the Terminator series, Terminator Genesis. Um, I'd like to see the new one in the theater, but we'll have to see what's going on when that comes out, but that'd be sort of fun to do something newer um, as a Gap episode or something. This one, uh, so this is wrapping up our look at the Terminator for the time being. Um, and uh, this came out in 2015, is yet the third attempt to do a new Terminator trilogy after the first two. And it also failed to make enough money.
1: Um, well, you know you know that they're always banking on getting a sequel, but this movie more so than anything, this movie felt like 40% trilogy setup.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, and that, that's a real problem. Uh, so this was directed by Alan Taylor, who did a lot of Game of Thrones episodes. Um, produced by David Ellison and Dana Goldberg, written by Leita Kalogridis and Patrick Lucier, uh, Basement characters by James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jason Clark, Amelia Clark, they're not related. Guy <laughs> Cartney, J.K. Simmons, uh, and Lee Byun Hun. Music by Lauren Balfi. Cinematography Kramer Morgenthau, edited by Roger Barton. Um, this was produced by Sky Dance productions um, do you know about them well they
1: they did like the last three uh, films in the series didn't they um, I feel like I saw means... their name show up right before the title.
0: you know what it is yeah what I was actually thinking of is the production company that financed this was Annapurna Pictures and that's a company run by the um, by the kids of the guy that founded uh, the software company Oracle I believe. and and so they've been funding a lot of things um oh uh, usually like a lot of like oscar kind of movies with sort of higher budgets which is which is pretty cool and they thought they terminator would be a, a sort of uh bigger kind of more mainstream success thing for them but they only you know did one film under that stuff um so this came out in 2015 and off a budget of 158 million so this cost um a good deal less than terminator 4 uh or Terminator Salvation, this made $440 million worldwide. So, I mean, that's not terrible. That's like...
1: I mean, it made its money. It made all of its it, money.
0: It, it's made its money, but not quite enough to justify a sequel, especially um, in the United States, or domestic, which is U.S. and Canada, excuse me, um, guess where it
1: landed in the box office. Oh, I'm going to say th- 13th.
0: 32nd. It did not even cross the $100 million mark in the United States, which is kind of embarrassing. Um, well, I guess it, it would made... have had to have been
1: competing well, with, like, two Marvel movies that year. Oh, probably. I mean,
0: you also, that year was big. You had Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, you had Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. I guess that's not such a big deal. You had Avengers Age of Ultron, which you're right, that one was a big one. That was the killer um, Ant- robot
1: movie people wanted to see that year.
0: Uh, yeah, and then like Ant-Man was the other Marvel one that year. Um, even the second SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, which I believe was filmed
1: in Tybee Island. Um, yes, it was. In fact, Jersey Jason is an extra in one of the shots. Oh, you can spot him? Uh, well, well, I don't know if you can spot him. I haven't seen the movie, but he he, he was an extra for like two days. Well, that's fine. And I um, believe they so, used one of the shots he was in.
0: So movies that made less money uh, in the U.S. and Canada in that year were like Taken 3, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip, oh. uh, Ted 2, and Paul Blart, Mall Cop
1: 2. It's like Die Hard in a Mall with Kevin James, but again.
0: Yeah, uh, those made a lot of money and weren't very expensive to make, so... I don't know. I mean, you could do a lot worse. I always think in some ways, and I think I've said this before, Chris Tucker in some ways has the ideal career And that you do like a trilogy like Rush Hour that makes a ton of money and then you just don't do anything else for a while and
1: kind of do as you pick and choose. Well, did, didn't he uh, start concentrating more on doing stand-up?
0: He did some stand-up, I guess, but as far as like you think, oh, he made all this money with movies, he'd keep on doing big comedy <laughs> movies that would just star him and that's just not really what he did. But you're right. I think he did stand-up. <laughs> He was in like a sort of sort of more dramatic performance with Robert De Niro in uh, Silver Lightning's playbook. Um, so he pops up every now and then and then. Um, so there you go. But what we're, we're supposed to be talking about is Terminator Genesis. The poster says New Mission, New Fate. It's not really a new mission. Um uh, this this movie is the Back to the Future two of the Terminator series. Very complicated. I first saw this on HBO and I said, huh. This is better than the negative reviews led me to believe, but I can also see why people don't like it.
1: Yeah, I saw this, uh, it was either last year or the year before, and it's shown up on a streaming platform where my wife and I wanted something to watch, and so we just, we watched it then, and, and we rewatched it again in preparation for the show.
0: Now What did uh, your wife think of it?
1: Um... I can be charitable and say disappointed, but she has issues with this movie. I found that I also have issues with this movie and on the Venn diagram of movie issues, there's a lot of overlap.
0: All right, there you go. Um, so it, it, the movie starts like with this voiceover and you see grass and stuff and that's sort of unexpected. Um, and you don't really know what's going on, but they'll circle back to it later, but I think, you know, proper it starts in the future, which we've seen a million times in these movies, and you have John Connor and uh, and Kyle Reese launching an offensive against Skynet, and I have to say, they make the future world stuff in this look more like the older movies than, say, Terminator Salvation did.
1: Yeah, they bring back the old aesthetic. The only thing it's missing are just mountains of skulls for robots to crush under their their heels and tank treads. Yeah. I really like the snippets of future action we get in this movie. It's probably just, that's one thing this movie does well. It's just the right amount of future action for a Terminator movie. And the, the, an, a big thing. And Kyle Reese is the one delivering the voiceover. And it's ironic that they show like green fields. Cause he talks about, how Oh, well that's my, that's my parents' world. I was born after judgment day. Uh, I never seen the world like this, uh, which is going to lead to some confusion later on. Uh but the whole big deal is they're ready for their final assault on Skynet's central server hub. Uh, but uh, Connor insists, "Well, before we do that, we got to do this little side mission." Uh, but the, and that little side mission is securing the facility that contains the time machine, which is just a distraction because Skynet server is destroyed during that fight, and so we get some decent, some decent uh, tight action. And I've got another thing I got to give this movie credit for. Once he describes John Connor as a prophet, they don't waste any time saying that there's a prophecy.
0: Yeah, no, it's nice not to have that sort of tired trope of the, the chosen one and making him sort of a, a proto um, T-800 killing Moses or something. <laughs> but, but you have uh, different actors, of course, playing these parts, and I think one of them is awful and one of them is okay. The one I found tolerable was Jai Courtney as Kyle Reese. Now, now, he doesn't play Kyle Reese as, like, tortured like Michael Bain did in the first movie, but he has a bit of a sense of humor. He's, um, I, I think he's likable. He's he's done a lot of other movies, like, uh, in, um, I don't think you've seen this one, but in the fifth Die Hard movie, he's Bruce Willis's son.
1: Oh, that's right, yeah.
0: And in, um, Suicide Squad, he was the fellow with the boomerang. Oh, Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang. Um... And uh, but Jason Clark as John Connor, I just found like unbearable.
1: Well, he from the very beginning he plays John Connor almost like a sneering villain.
0: That's true. I never thought of it that way. But it's it, it's it's not it's not the kind of villain you can even have fun with. Like he's just kind of stiff, arrogant. Um, something seems off. Like you look at him, like this is not a man who leads other men into battle to die. It's just well, not
1: quite there. You know what it is? He's got that He's got that pretty bad-looking, and, and bad I mean like obviously makeup facial scar, but he's playing it almost like Quentin Tarantino. If Quentin Tarantino was leading the human resistance, that's what this John Connor would be.
0: And I think in some ways he even reminds me of, of a Tarantino with maybe the way he looks or the eyes. I don't know, but yeah, that, that's a... <laughs> That's a good point, point. Um, and, and he's, I've seen him in other stuff, and he's good. He has been um, in one of the newer Planet of the Apes movies, uh, in kind of the lead human role, and I thought he was good in that, and you see him all over the place. I think he's um, uh, the lead in the new Pet Cemetery remake that just came out, so um, he gets a lot of work, but it, it's a weird way to um, to start things off.
1: Yeah, and, of course, uh, Matt Smith is among the soldiers. And th- So, Matt Smith. Matt Smith is one of my favorite actors to play one of the new Doctors on Doctor Who. That's what I think. I think he was wrapping up his tenure as the Doctor around the time this was being made. Uh, so I was super excited for him to be in this film. He gets less than a cameo. I think he only has one line of dialogue. <laughs>
0: Uh, as you see, uh, when as we're talking about when we get to the end of the film, I think it's clear he was meant to be in the sequels to this a lot more.
1: Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that. But um, you know, they John Connor says, "Well, the whole this is a time machine, and we need to. I need to send someone back in time on a special mission. Uh, and of course, lots of people volunteer. Kyle Reese volunteers. He go. He sends Kyle Reese. And this is when something happens that this movie does a lot. This movie is powered by exposition." one of the things especially in the original terminator that works so well is they don't waste time explaining how time travel works it just works and all you get is one tossed off line that you that you need organic material to go through the time vortex and and that's it cuz Kyle himself in the first film doesn't understand how it works um but in this film, they spend a lot of time explaining, okay, you have to get naked when you go through. Also, here's why you need to go naked. Also, you can't have any metal in there with you because the quantum field will rip it apart. And and it just goes on forever. Also, weird continuity thing. Kyle strips down to his boxers, when he's, but he never takes the boxers off. But suddenly they're gone when he enters the time machine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for a movie that stresses so much about the nudity part of the time machine, it sure as hell is afraid to show the actors naked. Like in the in the first two Terminators, you
1: saw a lot of ass shots. Yeah, even I was like expecting Terminator three, some... right? Oh, oh, yeah, I was expecting a tasteful glimpse of someone's bottom.
0: And, and you don't get that even when Amelia Clark is Sarah Connor, we'll see later, has to get naked. Like they like almost shoot her from the neck up or something. It's it's a bit yeah. absurd. Like you are doing it for television. Um, <laughs>
1: But they power up the time machine. There's some cool like vortex stuff, and this is another thing that I I noticed. Clearly, they didn't know what this special effect was going to look like when they filmed the scene because Kyle's or because John Connor's entire squad is just huddled up around the time vortex. But massive arcs of lightning are flying everywhere, like blowing holes in the walls. Nobody seems to care that that much destructive power is being unleashed, but. Just as the time vortex is reaching its peak, Matt Smith comes up behind John Connor and like grabs him and we see like circuitry lines come out of his hand. Uh, And that's the last thing that Kyle sees before entering the vortex. But when he enters the vortex, he sees all these weird flashes of different points in space and time. He even sees a boy in a mirror looking in a mirror saying, Genesis is Skynet. When Genesis goes live, that is Judgment Day. Which, that's the movie tipping its hand way too early.
0: I agree. They should not have revealed that so early in the film. I know you want to do the time travel and, and set up these things to get repeated later, but it, it's the equivalent of, in the first five minutes of um, The Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader talking to one of his... Um, captains on the uh, Star Destroyer and saying, By the way, did you know
1: Luke is my father? That, that Well, because of time travel, yes, Luke was Darth Vader's father.
0: Yes. but it, The point is, you're revealing that so early that it's just... It spoils any tension that happens later. And and some of the satire around what Genesis is is okay, but we'll, we'll get to that in due time, dear listener. Um, so, yeah, so this is and and the, but I think the twist of um, Matthew Smith putting his hand on John Connor and Kyle seeing that right as he's being transported that's not a bad twist that at least makes you wonder ooh what's happening here this is kind of different
1: well especially since like because as far as we know this movie is still going to be a direct directly connected to the others and so we do know from the other films that Connor dies after sending Kyle back in time so Part of so you you wouldn't be too remiss thinking oh yeah obviously that's what's happening you're wrong uh, we'll go but and it's not necessarily the best creative choice but we'll we'll go into that so the next scene though is pretty fun because they they spend a lot of time recreating moments and and rebuilt recreating entire shots from the original Terminator but then having them take complete left turns.
0: Right, and and you get a shot that was featured heavily in the trailer where, um, you know, much like in the original Terminator, the T-800 goes to battle a bunch of punks, but then all of a sudden he is um, a different uh, Terminator that is older, that is referred to, unfortunately, as Pops, goes and fights it. So you get, you know, old Arnold fighting young Arnold, and as the movie likes to repeat over and over again, he's old but not obsolete,
1: so I like, I like the young Schwarzenegger versus modern Schwarzenegger, uh, or I guess or older Schwarzenegger, not necessarily modern as we see later. Uh, the, the digital effect that de-ages young Schwarzenegger is pretty good.
0: It's much better than Terminator Salvation, I I think, that had a similar effect. Um, When I I first
1: saw this, I was actually trying to figure out, well, some of this has to be recycled shots upgraded to HD and remastered. But no, I think it's all just a digital effect, but it works really well. I only wish we had gotten a de-aged Clancy Brown to be among the punks.
0: Yeah, or a um, de-aged Bill Paxton, the guy that just died not too long ago.
1: And we, we also get the, the recreation too. of the scene where Kyle uh, gets uh, gets some pants from a homeless guy, gets chased by the police, but one of the police officers turns out is a T one thousand.
0: But oddly enough, not played by Robert Patrick.
1: Yeah, which is weird. You 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 would think they'd want to get him back, and and I can understand because he uh, it's, uh, uh, Byung Hun Lee. Uh, plays the the t-1000 in these scenes and part of me almost thinks you know if you're gonna if you're gonna have your shape-shifting terminator why not use him to just give every actor a cameo why not throughout this chase have the t-1000 keep turning into characters we've seen before i think that that would be tremendous fun
0: yeah, Byun-hun Lee has done a lot of work over in China and the United States. People might know him best as playing Storm Shadow
1: in the 2 GI Joe movies. Oh, that's right. Uh but it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty fun chase there. Although this also runs into I, I think a problem that this movie has where there's a few too many things that are cool for the sake of cool because uh you know uh, some other police officers show up and try to arrest Kyle. Uh they get pulled into the Terminator fight. Uh, one of them is a is this panicky, almost Gomer Pyle-level panicky um, police officer by the name of O'Brien uh, who gets caught in this. And Kyle just flat out tells him, oh, yeah, yeah, time-traveling robot assassins. That's what we're dealing with here. But you're in a, sh- you're in a shopping center where there's mannequins everywhere. But for some reason, the, the T-1000 insists on turning into a mirror just so that they can have a shot of the Terminator coming out of a mirror.
0: Yeah, um, so I mean also you get this sort of surprise where um, they're in the clothing store and then a a big truck kind of slams through the the facade of the store and inside is Sarah Connor who says to Kyle Reese, come with me if you want to live.
1: Yeah, And Um, and this is one thing that I think is kind of fun about the movie is this is 1984 Sarah Connor but she has the training and nerves of steel of 1994 Sarah Connor.
0: So, how do you feel about Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor? You know, she is best known for uh, Game of Thrones, um, and she also was in the Han Solo movie
1: um, recently. I I like her. She's the she's the one bit of casting in this movie that I think is dead on. She has a bit of
0: feistiness to her. They didn't make her hair too much like the. 80s as much as it was with the the original film.
1: Well, they made it look just outdated enough, I think.
0: Yeah. And, um, and and she is in a car with Pops, the old Terminator, and that makes Kyle freak out, which I thought was sort of funny, although you get a lot of humor in this film with the uh, the old Terminator telling Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor to mate. Like, it is time to mate. You'll have to make
1: John Connor happen. They also get a lot of mileage about his inability to smile.
0: Which worked okay, like, once in Terminator 2. I think they do it, like, ten times in this
1: film. I only recall them doing it three, but it never failed to make me laugh, strangely enough.
0: In this film, they do it too much, and it's not... Mm. Like, Schwarzenegger's good at doing a bad smile, but repeating a joke ten times does not make it ten times as funny.
1: Yeah, but you know, so there's some exposition happens uh, during this scene and we find out someone we find out someone else sent Pops back in time to when Sarah Connor was a child when another terminator tried to kill her and her family, but Pops has been programmed to protect Sarah Connor, but Pops doesn't know who sent him back in time. Like those files, as he says, those files have been sealed, or encrypted, or deleted. So, so this it's a it's a big mystery that this movie does not answer. But presumably, if they had gotten their trilogy, it would have been answered as to who sent Pops back. Um, The one thing, and I'm sure this would have come back too, but where Kyle um, flat out says he could have secret directives that not even he knows about. That, unfortunately, is a line that is not paid off. And I think that's where a lot of my frustration with this movie comes from. There's just so many things that are set up that they assumed they would get another movie to flesh out. And that's a terrible way to tell a story.
0: I do like, though, where they when they get away from the, the T-1000 and they fight it with... Um, they set off acid kind of in this underground bunker.
1: Yeah, uh, they've, they've taken over an abandoned factory and they've laid traps... And, yeah, it's a pretty cool scene when when, uh, when the T-1000 is chasing Sarah uh, in, in through the basement. And she shoots holes in pipes that are full of acid. We just see the liquid metal melt. And we also get that awesome scene where it still doesn't stop it, so Pops like picks it up by the neck and is holding its own hand in the acid uh, to get the T-1000 to melt. That's a nice, gruesome way to dispatch with the liquid metal Terminator.
0: It's a good visual, and uh, way in this bunker, they have this kind of slapdash time machine that they've made.
1: Yeah, they built a time machine using 1980s parts, but powered by a Terminator CPU. So they were just... They, I, I guess right. they were rightfully assuming that another Terminator would at some... Oh, well, no, because they, they knew the 1984 Terminator would be sent back in time. And they used the chip from its head to operate the time machine circuitry. This and their plan, their initial plan is to send Sarah Connor to 1994 to deal to prevent Judgment Day. Then by attacking Cyberdyne, but th- this is this is where we have a problem. This movie cannot make up its mind as to how time travel works and whether or not you can change the past, present, and future. Um, I think the movie that executed time travel best was the first film where. The premise seemed to be certain things simply had to happen, and so the time travel itself creates a time loop that makes the time travelness that makes the time travel itself inevitable. This film, they are constantly changing, unchanging, doing, undoing, and warping everything, and it never seems to have any effect.
0: Right, and I, I do kind of like that they argue about that they should go to twenty seventeen instead of nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> Because if they go to 1997, although I think it was earlier, really, I mean, you know, they would do what Terminator 2 did. Yeah. But they're going to 2017 because that is the launch of uh, Genesis. And in a kind of cute moment, when they go to 2017, they materialize on a highway in San Francisco and are immediately um, arrested. Because they're just these two naked people that show up in the middle of the highway. Yeah, and, and everybody thought, oh, kind of,
1: And everybody kind of assumes that they set off a bomb, and that's why there's all this destruction on the highway. Um, and that's the other thing is that is that Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese go through time. Pops doesn't. Uh, his he has to stay behind to dismantle the time machine and destroy the Terminator parts. In, in vats of acid, so that there's no future technology that allows Cyberdyne systems to make what will become Skynet. Um, so so again, they establish that they've destroyed all the Terminator tech, and yet all that stuff keep, seems to keep happening, or at least pushing things down the line. It's, it's incredibly complicated and confusing. But, I'll missed, say, missed opportunity here. Why not bring back Dr. Silberman?
0: Dr. Silverman would have been great, maybe just as the psychoanalyst that, that talks to them after they get arrested, that's I'm, the perfect opportunity.
1: Oh yeah, and, and I know like, and I realize the actor is, is getting older, but how great would it have been of like he's having a little impromptu like retirement party because it's his last day <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he gets caught in all the Terminator mayhem. Maybe give him an awesome death scene. Missed opportunity. Um but there is a police there's an alcoholic police detective played brilliantly by j k. Simmons. i I don't think I've ever seen even even when he is over the top and tonally clashes with the movie, he's still often one of the best things in it. Well, it turns out he's the same de, he's he used to he's detective O'Brien. He used to be Officer O'Brien. After his encounter with Kyle Reese, he's become obsessed with conspiracy theories and time traveling robots so he completely buys into all this but this is something that drives me absolutely nuts so we saw him completely turn to jelly in 1984 yeah however in the in the 2017 scenes uh he explains that in 1979 he joined the marines which means he probably only served one tour of duty before leaving the marines and becoming a police officer But that means that in 1984, he was much more physically fit and had marine training and yet didn't seem to know how to handle a gun and didn't know how to handle himself in a live fire situation.
0: That's a good point. But nevertheless, I still like the character. I like the conspiracy theory stuff. I like that he he helps uh, our our heroes along when necessary in the story. And um, I mean, here we get a, a big twist that some of the posters for the movie uh, ruined.
1: Oh, yeah. Where, Where Con- John-, John Connor uh, yeah. shows up.
0: and w- Which I like initially that it's a very weird scene, as it should be, because it's like, I'm your future kid who hasn't been conceived yet, and we're all kind of a family, and uh, you think he might be a good guy, but then he, he uh, all of a sudden pops just, like, shoots him, and it's really sort of a, a shocking moment, but then you realize, oh, no, now John Connor has become a, uh, a Terminator. He is part machine.
1: Yeah, we, we come to find out that another prototype Terminator were Terminators who can infect you with nanobots, and that's how they would start infiltrating people, and that the Matt Smith was one of those Terminators who and he infected Kyle Reese, and now Kyle Reese is made out of nanobots. And I guess that's the progression: you go cyborg, liquid metal, uh, n- nanobots, and that that gives him an excuse to do all sorts of like magnetic particle effects. But yeah, he's effectively, for all the and of purposes, he's now an extension of Skynet. Turns out, he was sent back in time to. To 2014 to shepherd the creation of the Genesis software, which is the new killer app, and the Genesis software is what's going to become Skynet when it allows people to integrate all the electronic devices in their home and office, which is also used on on like military computers. Which also, and this is kind of a fun nod to the earlier movies, but the son of Dr. Dyson from Terminator Two is one of the developers of this new program. He's a big wig at the company that's developing Genesis.
0: Yeah, I, I like that detail and, and what Genesis is, at the time seemed sort of far fetched, but now like it already really exists and it's like you can have your same information on your phone, on your tablet and on your computer and you can access it from anywhere. But, like, now, in, uh, as of this recording in 2019, they've done a much better job with, you know, kind of uniting all that technology so that you can access your data. Uh, when this film came out, that seemed a little bit far-fetched. You didn't quite have the, uh, the, the smart watches. You didn't have quite have so many smart devices. Uh, and yet, still, I don't think it's enough. Like, they should have made Genesis something really, like, maybe an implant. I don't know. Just something even bigger.
1: Yeah, something. Well, you you know what? It, it, it all it all felt like oh, these kids on their cyber devices. Ooh, it felt it felt like finger wagging at people using the current emerging technology. Yeah, it did. Um, Without and, actually and yet, addressing some of the real problems that that technology has has engendered.
0: Right, and uh, but I do like that you see scenes of different people. You know, they're getting promised one of these devices for Christmas, and when you turn it on, it has a countdown
1: until it really starts. Which, that's a that's a release tactic. I'm kind of shocked no one's done.
0: Yeah, you've seen websites with, with countdowns, or even in some stores, you know, signs with countdown clocks. But yeah, that you could get the device early, and it just doesn't start until... Like, why not make that a bonus for, I don't know, pre-ordering the most premium model or something, yeah. so you could have it...
1: But but another thing that's kind of weird is that you know they're, they're, our heroes end up in a police lineup at one point and young Kyle Reese is like checking them out on the lineup. But the whole reason, presumably, that family is there is because young Kyle Reese got into like uh, some some sort of criminal shenanigans at an arcade and his parents tried to do a scared straight thing with him and got him fingerprinted and took him through the whole police system. So that's why they have Kyle Reese's fingerprints on file, which they're shocked to find matches to an adult. But this kind of goes into the weird time the time travel stuff because that would make us think that young Kyle Reese is some sort of punk who was, of course, born before Judgment Day. Um, but he's not. He's just a kid. And if that happened the week before... And Genesis launches tomorrow that means immediately after doing scared straight with their kid, they then had a huge birthday party for him because we saw that flashback to a birthday party where he gets his own genesis tablet um and it, it feels like if the parents wanted to punish him why not why not deny him a birthday <laughs>
0: H- having a younger Kyle Reese in whatever alternate timeline they're in in this twenty um you know, 15 or whatever time period this is, is, I, I think, a step too far. It's not really needed. They don't do a whole lot with this. Like, it looks like a 12-year-old Kyle Reese, um, other than he has stereotypically Irish parents with the red hair and so forth.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Like, they meet in a stairwell, but that's about it. Like, they don't... And they make a big deal about how... um when Kyle meets Sarah Connor, he does a thing where he, he puts his hand, finger through the palm, and says, go in a straight line. This is what Sarah Connor's father told her to do right before being killed by a T-1000 when she was a child. And now he does, like, the same thing, or she does the same thing to the 12-year-old Kyle that they meet. And there's even, like, a scene where they even meet near the end of the film. Yeah, they
1: gild that, Lily.
0: <laughs> but it's like, why? Like, you're doing this, like, a really a nothing character it's already complicated (laughs) enough with everyone jumping into this time period you don't need like a a third version of this character
1: well Um, then beyond that as far as again the mechanics of whether or not they can change the past well they're already what like 20 years after the point over 20 years after the point where John Connor was supposed to be conceived so how is there now a John Connor in the future who can get infected by Skynet particles
0: right um, I almost thought, what if like they would have had the conception happen accidentally during the time travel somehow, like
1: a whole Brundlefly situation? Yes, yeah,
0: it's <laughs> immaculate oh, uh, science fiction con- conception or something. But it, it, the one good thing though with John Connor being the Terminator, which is an okay twist, is it does what a Terminator should a movie should be, which is mainly an extended chase sequence.
1: Yeah, they, there's a Mary chase in the hospital. They get some mileage out of an M, of using the magnets in an MRI machine to slow him down, which is that's actually a pretty cool effect slash scene. Um, and those are some powerful magnets. I don't know if you've ever like been near an active MRI machine.
0: <laughs> I've been in an MRI machine. Yeah, it's so not pleasant. It it's. <laughs> I, I I didn't find it scary, but like it's if you're uh, claustrophobic, I don't know. I can see why people would freak out in those things. <laughs>
1: You you wish you would have some music to listen to. I remember, uh, you know, because if you're if you're even in the room, they tell you to get rid of anything that's metal, uh, you know, Fer- Fer- ferrous metal particularly. But uh, and so my my dad was was there in the room with the technicians, and he so he gets rid of all this metal stuff. He forgets he's wearing suspenders, so like oh. halfway through the procedure, his suspenders just like stretched out. <laughs>
0: Did it rip the suspenders?
1: It didn't, it didn't rip them, but, like, it came out, like, a few inches it Oh, pulled the suspenders out, which is pretty delightful. But, yeah, so – and there's a, some great business uh, with a helicopter. Um, they then – turns out Pops has set up a secret bunker uh, in the Hollywood Hills uh, overlooking the San Francisco Bay. Some, some weird location. Like, it, it's clearly a real location. I could not find any information on where this actually was, Um but, you know, they're preparing to... So they're preparing for their assault on the Genesis facility. And there's a scene that is cute where Kyle and the and Pops get competitive over who can load guns faster. It is kind of... It's, it's strangely enough endearing. Although Pops has had, what, 20 years to prepare for this? He didn't load any of these weapons?
0: You have to have some kind of a montage. You know, it's just... It's <laughs> sort of like the one in uh Rambo First Blood Part 2 where he puts on the bandana and loads yeah. up all the guns like that fucking load sort of
1: thing. But in this one which is pretty cool is that they build uh is that he builds like brass magnetic brass knuckles out of old civil defense speakers. The idea being they now know that Kyle's new body is vulnerable to magnetic fields, so this will there's a lot of exposition explaining how being punched with these magnetic brass knuckles will prevent him from reconstituting himself at least temporarily. Or as they say, theoretically.
0: Correct. And so they go with, with the armed with the, the guns and everything. Oh yeah. That's another
1: weird thing is that in the, when they're in the police lockup, they get all these like magnetic weapons and like, okay, the magnetic breaching thing for SWAT teams, that makes a kind of sense. But Shotgun shells full of magnetic liquid metal? What the fuck is that?
0: Because it looks cool. I think it seems like half the things in this movie are just they think of how it looks, but not why. Or And when you put so much time in the uh, effects and, and time travel that you don't think of the weapons is a bit strange
1: but they do eventually... Uh, we, we kind of shuffle the order a bit, but after a bus chase and going to the police lockup, lock they do get to Skynet, or to the Genesis facility, which has every piece of future technology in it. It has holograms, it has prototype Terminators, it has prototype liquid metal, uh, It has, and it has the time machine.
0: <laughs> but also in there, it has... Um this really annoying conceit that I think is introduced kind of far too late that Skynet is represented in digital form as uh, a small boy, but later like in sort of the adult form is Matt Smith. And the way this little hologram boy pops up and goes like, you shouldn't be here is ju- is a big ripoff of what they do in that first resident evil movie mm-hmm. with the red queen with the hologram
1: girl, Going like
0: you're going to die down here,
1: and, and that's that's something that both this movie and I think the past the previous movie it's a big misstep. I don't think Skynet should have a face. Skynet should be a terrifying, dispassionate, monolithic machine entity. It shouldn't it shouldn't be something you can have a conversation with, and it certainly shouldn't put on a human face.
0: Not to mention, I mean, if you have a bunch of hologram faces, that's not really scary. Like, it it might be a surprise, like, oh, it's showing up out of nowhere. But despite that, it just doesn't, it's just not enough. It takes a lot of stakes out of this kind of final idea where they're trying to set up this bomb in just the right place. And in the meantime, um, John Connor is is still, you know, pursuing them and Captain stabs Sarah and there's all these things going on.
1: Well, you know, something else that uh, strikes me is that, you know, they they make a big deal about they need to – so one thing that is cool is that you find out what else Pops has been doing. Pops joined the construction crew that built that facility. So not only does he know where its structural weak points are, it implies that he engineered some of those structural weak points into the facility, and he snuck a safe room into the facility – so that Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese could survive the blast. But something that... Yeah, that, that's fun. They make a big deal about having to blow up all these specific parts, but is there any reason why they can't just start smashing servers as they go?
0: There's not. I guess they, they kind of want to do the the one and done with the bomb, but smashing the servers couldn't doesn't hurt anything. Maybe it would even, you know, slow down some of the... Uh, obstructions they're getting from, from Skynet. Who knows? Yeah, and it's also um,
1: weird it's also very weird that um again the time, time travel problems, this presumably is the time machine that they use in the future to travel to the past, but they do destroy it at the end of the movie. Thus making all the time ta- all the time travel in the series impossible.
0: Yeah, and there's an extended sequence of John Connor kind of like In this machine being ripped apart, and I don't think the effect is as cool as what we saw earlier uh, in in the hospital when the MRI machine is making him phase in different uh, versions of himself.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel like if they had done a variation of what they did in the hospital it would have been a lot more satisfying because in in the end it is just him breaking apart into a particle effect. It doesn't have it doesn't have the impact that it should. Uh but in the process of that, you know, uh Pops gets ripped in half and what's left of him falls into the liquid metal and this is such a cheat. Because the facility goes down you know a huge, <laughs> thrilling, satisfying explosion. Uh, John Connor and Sarah Connor uh, are in the bunker. they survive, and they think, "Oh well, now, how do we get out of here? I wonder how long we can last and then like the door gets ripped open, and they freak out, but it's pops, but he 's young again, but he has liquid metal arms there 's a tossed off bit of dialogue about how the liquid metal can 't constitute itself until it is loaded until it 's loaded with an advanced CPU. Well, it turns out the CPU in Pop's head is compatible with the liquid metal. Now, Pop's has a liquid metal body and liquid metal powers. But he's yeah, alive again, so it unc- uh, it undercuts his sacrifice.
0: Undercuts his sacrifice. Now that like the T eight hundred has the T one thousand powers, does that make him a T eighteen hundred? I don't know, but like it's <laughs> like like as as a stinger. I think the way you do that properly is you would end it with them. The movie should have ended with them in the bunker, and then you see the T one thousand arms are trying to pry open the door, and you're like, "Oh, what's happening?" And maybe it cuts to their concerned reaction, and then it's cut to credits. I think,
1: or you make it compelling. a post-credit like, sequence, which I'm shocked we didn't get in this movie. Uh, there, there, there's one. Really, I went. I there. Went all, I, there yeah. I did not see a post-credit sequence. On, on the well, top. it's
0: a mid-credit sequence.
1: Oh, that might be why I missed it. Uh, what is it?
0: Um, well, first, let's talk about the the end of the film.
1: Oh yeah, they drive they drive to this Kyle is, Reese's house. This is a awful. farmhouse in the middle. Yeah. So it's a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. But when they leave, it's on a block.
0: Hmm. I mean, also like it, it's presumably around San Francisco. I don't know of a lot of like sweeping gre- uh, green fields in San Francisco.
1: Oh, good point. And maybe they're in wine country. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Even that though, it's not green. It's sort of like dirty yellow. Not quite desert, but yeah, like yellow and kind of. You have these nice hills, but sagebrush, like being. Yeah, you wouldn't think it'd have been like this verdant. Uh, I, I don't know, like nineteen fifties kind of paradise thing with the the gra- the green grass everywhere. But but they go to Kyle's home and they they tell him about like. You need to remember that um, Genesis is Skynet, so they're setting up that thing from the beginning, and now Sarah and Kyle are like, kissing each other, and Pop smiles again. And it it just doesn't work. It's a scene that is unnecessary.
1: Yeah, th- this is the few-too-many-notes moment.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, adding on to that is this mid-credits scene that's really a blink-and-you-miss-it. where So it's showing the d- destructive... Uh, the destructive nature of the the Skynet building, where Genesis was developed, where they set off the explosive, right? But it turns out underneath everything is the Skynet core, which is still alive.
1: Huh. Which is this big red pulsating um, thing? Oh wait, this. You know what? I think I saw this scene when I first watched it a few years ago. I th- I completely skipped over it when I rewatched it. I do know that scene.
0: Yeah, so it's no dialogue. It's like, ha-ha, Skynet has survived after all, which it's, is sort of
1: predictable. It's okay. It's just short of a hand coming out of a grave. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Um,
1: oh, so talking, talking about this being a trilogy set up, one thing that really stuck with me, we do, Sarah Connor does tell the story of how she met Pops, and we also get a flashback to it, where... Her family was at the cabin in the lake. Nice call back to the first movie. Um, and a liquid metal Terminator comes out of the lake and starts attacking the boat, kills her father. She's sent to, to shore as she, just as she jumps off the boat, the cabin explodes. Her mom was inside. She makes it to the pier. She hides under the pier, but then pop shows up, defeats the liquid metal Terminator and rescues her. However, when pop go pops goes to the pier, He's holding a smoking uh, bazooka. I think the implication we're supposed to take from this is that Pops is the one who blew up the cabin and killed her mother. What do you think about this? Do you think that's the case?
0: I don't know. That's not something I thought about too much. What I, um, I do think is we had mentioned that earlier in the film... They're asking why did Pops, why was Pops sent in the past in the first place and that that area is locked off? We don't find that out. My theory is that he was sent by Skynet and that everything he was doing to try and protect Sarah Connor was all a setup to ensure that Skynet would still
1: survive. You know, I kind of agree with you. I think that probably would have been the big reveal is that Skynet sent Pops back in time. Although... For my own satisfaction, I would say it's an alternate version of Skynet from an alternate timeline, and in fact, different versions of Skynet are fuck are fighting themselves to each make sure that they're the one that gets created. And that's part of why the time travel is getting so crazy in this movie.
0: Remember in the marketing in this film they made a big deal of like quoting James Cameron? Oh, like this is, is the real
1: he- sequel. Yeah. Uh
0: and yet he is um I think he worked on the story and is producing this new one, Terminator Dark Fate, which is being directed by the same fellow that directed Deadpool. Uh, and um, mm. and now like you're getting like all these quotes from Linda Hamilton where it's like, well, the other Terminator sequels weren't very good, were they? And it's like, <laughs> James Cameron said he liked the last one. Was he lying? Has he paid money to say that? Like, I don't know. Is there going to be any references to Genesis even though it's doing uh, this really new kind of trend in sequels I don't think we've talked about where it ignores the sequels didn't happen. It's kind of like an alternate timeline trend. Like you have that new Halloween
1: movie that came out last year. Well, I almost feel like the Terminator series has already done that a few times.
0: That's true. That's
1: true. Regardless of the use of time travel as a a story, uh, as a plot device.
0: Right. So who knows? Um, I give Terminator Genesis a sequel yes I think the time travel is delightfully ridiculous in this movie it um the ending is is bad there there's things that don't work but um they really win a lot of points for recreating the 1984 stuff um and and, and you get really bigger scale action I think than some of these other sequels the the, the whole scene where like they're on the helicopter, and you know the helicopter goes down, and they're in the the bus, and then the Terminator John Connor goes up from under the bus. Like, there's a lot of interesting things that happen. Like, yeah, the acting might not all be there, but um, I think this is uh, this is a fun time, and at least it shows some ambition, which um, you know something like Terminator Salvation didn't really do.
1: This is a bad movie. This is a dumb movie. This movie squanders so much goodwill. And yet, I'm afraid I have to agree with you, sequel, yes. I would like to see a little bit more of this, if only to see how they were going to write their way out of a corner. And the handful of good parts in this movie are really, really good. I mean, it's almost worth it for J.K. Simmons alone.
0: Right. Um, also, I was neglected to mention, I think the soundtrack by Lauren Balfi is pretty good. They reuse a lot of the themes from the old Terminator movies, and it, it feels... Like like the score to the first two films, while not being completely uh, copycat, it also has a song from a uh, Chinese uh, pop star Jane Zayn called um, "Fighting Shadows." With it, it has a um, they play it a bit uh, later on in in the credits. It's in English, and in the music video, she is singing into a microphone shaped like a T eight hundred.
1: Oh, now I want to seek that out. Oh, actually, speaking of music, another thing that really bothered me about this movie. So when Kyle Reese shows up – or sorry, when uh, John Connor shows up having traveled through time, to prove that he's not a Terminator, he has to say something that only – like he has to say something that only John Connor would know. And he he starts talking about Sarah Connor and he says, oh, you love Elton John and you used to sing Rocket Man to me. However, only twice in this movie do we have Sarah Connor l- listening to and enjoying music, and both times, it's the same song by the Ramones.
0: Yeah, I want to be sedated. You think that, that would have been Elton John or Rocket Man, or maybe, ironically, you would play, uh, this is what I would do, you would play Rocket Man as the Skynet rockets are launching
1: and Judgment Day happens. <laughs> oh. Well, I was going to say, due to time travel shenanigans, it turns out that Elton John did I Want to Be a Sedated. I want to be sedated. Jeez,
0: uh, bang, bang,
1: bang, 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 bang.
0: Speaking of biopics, what I think is very funny is Bohemian Rhapsody made so much money they're thinking of doing a sequel. <laughs> would, it just be, would it just be Freddie Mercury Dies of AIDS and it would just be about that? Like, What would you, well, what I mean, would you that...
1: do? regrettably i mean that's the logical next step i mean that's i have not seen bohemian rhapsody although oh. the people i know who have seen it did not like it and i'm willing to trust them on that but at the same, like at the same time you know as as important as as that as 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 dying of aids is to freddie mercury's legacy i don't think i want to watch 2 hours of that you know i would rather remember him at the at the peak of his 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 vigor and health
0: yeah, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody certainly glosses over a lot of things, but I think it's, um, I think it's it's well made. I think in particular the the sound if you can watch it on somewhere with really good speakers, the sound mix is is really good. Well, and the, well because uh,
1: Queen's music is really really good. <laughs> yes,
0: no, but I mean, hearing their music and the surround sound, I thought it was a an opportunity I hadn't really had before.
1: Or, or maybe the sequel will just be the members of Queen talking about how great Highlander is.
0: Maybe, or maybe the sequel is just about how the members of Queen, after Freddie Mercury died, ripped off his solo album, No More Mr. Nice Guy, and plastered in Queen guitar licks and then re-released it as Made in Heaven. Oh, wow. You didn't, did you know that?
1: <laughs> I I had heard about that but I'd yes. never heard it spelled out so bluntly. Uh
0: Yep, this was in the 90s. Uh
1: Okay, I, I take it back. There's a movie to be made about that, uh, assuming assuming the surviving members of Queen would sign off on a movie about what giant dicks they are.
0: But that's the, I think that's the problem though. There's it's <laughs> they don't want to admit that or present themselves in that way, which is why unfortunately um Sasha Baron Cohen left the project. Because he was supposed to be Freddie Mercury, and then instead oh, it was yeah. um, Rami Malik. And Rami Malik's good, but I, I, there, there's something, uh, the softening of that story. Anyhow, let's do pitch a sequel.
1: <laughs> All right, well, so, so my sequel, originally I was going to pitch an outright farce where it's nothing but different Terminators fighting Terminators, but instead uh, I want to do it's called Terminator Backup. And it's all about what J.K. Simmons' Detective O'Brien was doing between the events of 1984 and 19 uh, or in, in 2017. And so it's going to take place uh, a little bit before this movie, but it's about him being a conspiracy-minded police detective who's always trying to uncover evidence of time-traveling robot assassins. And he does. He finds it repeatedly. But every time he's about to prove to his superiors that time-traveling robot assassins exist... Something happens and all the evidence gets gets destroyed. And so it's still a comedy. We get to see J.K. Simmons use his comedy chops, but it's all like, you know, he'll full on Abbott and Costello. There'll be a time traveling robot assassin coming his way, and he'll be like Ha ba ba ha ba, 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 trying to point to his partner to say that there's a time-traveling robot assassin. And right as the partner turns around, the time-traveling robot assassin gets hit by a truck. And so there's nothing there when the partner turns around. So he keeps looking crazier and crazier.
0: Huh. I yeah, not bad. Um, I, I would do an adaptation of the comic from the '90s uh, from Dark Horse Comics, RoboCop versus Terminator. Ooh, yeah. With Frank Miller. And um, there's a lot going on. I think you'd have to cut some stuff out, but that would probably work to its benefit. And the the gimmick is, uh, when the Rebellion is sending the Robocop back in time to fight the Terminator. Or however it goes, it's been a while since I've read the comic. Like they keep on failing, so they have to keep on doing it again and again and try different ways to get it to work. And I think you could, you know, the the Robocop remake, which we covered a while ago on the show, uh, it wasn't very good. And Terminator is kind of lawn in the tooth, and so kind of like what they did with Freddy versus Jason, I think you sort of have to do the the whole chocolate and peanut butter thing. To kind of zazz stuff up a bit.
1: You know, you have to have a scene where the Terminator and Robocop are just looking at each other and it keeps switching back and forth between their point of views and we see their reticules competing with each other.
0: Speaking of crossovers, um, have they ever done like a, a Ghostbusters versus Terminator comic?
1: I don't believe so, but I think it's 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 either IDW <laughs> or Boom Studios is doing that. They've done crossovers. I believe they did a Ninja Turtles Ghostbusters crossover. They yeah. also did a like multiversal Ghostbusters crossover where movie Ghostbusters, woman Ghostbusters, and animated Ghostbusters all team up to fight an interdimensional monster.
0: And did you see they're doing a, a new Ghostbusters movie? That's about a group of kids.
1: Oh, is this the one that like? That, is this the one that's supposed to quote unquote be for the fans or give it yeah. back to the fans? Yeah. You, you know what I would like a sequel that isn't openly hostile to the movies that came before it.
0: Did you feel the with the, the remake with the Leslie Jones and so forth was hostile to the other Ghostbusters? Or? No, not at all. B- oh. But
1: but like like take it take it with like Terminators. How like you know this one's the real sequel. Oh, I see. I feel like the the upcoming Ghostbusters movie. I feel like it has that that stank on it. That, oh, this is the real Ghostbusters sequel. You can ignore those other Ghostbusters sequels.
0: And it's directed by uh, Ivan Reitman's son Jason Reitman, who is a, a strong director in his own right. Although he hasn't done like a big special effect. Thing before,
1: It's funny you bring that up, because I'm going to talk about Ivan Reitman when we do What You're Watching.
0: Okay, so um, uh, what, what, let's go into that with What You're Watching. Uh, it sounds like you saw an Ivan Reitman picture.
1: Yes, I did, just kind of like on a, on a wild hair. I saw, or, or I guess re-saw, the uh, Ivan Reitman 2001 uh, sci-fi comedy evolution. With David Duchovny, Orlando Jones, Sean Williams Scott, Julian Moore, and Ted Levine.
0: With an extended Aykroyd cameo by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd is a small part as the mayor or something. I saw this in the theater, and I remember very little about it. I, I think Sean William Scott, I recall, is pretty good in it.
1: But um, what did you think about revisiting this one? Wait, it's it's a fun movie. Like, it, it, it clearly is trying to recapture the magic of Ghostbusters all throughout it, which it really doesn't need to do. But it's... It, it, it's it's funny, it's kind of the opposite of Ghostbusters, because Ghostbusters is like kind of a dumb premise, exterminators for ghosts, really well executed. But this movie is a smart premise, scientists deal with alien spores adapting to a terrestrial environment, but executed in a really dumb way.
0: Um, and I recall this is a time where CG wasn't quite there, so some of the, the aliens look a bit...
1: Not great. I found the CG actually held up, if only because, really? like, for for the insect monsters in particular, it held up because they look a, the fake shininess makes it look like they're made out of real chitin. It's the more fleshy monsters that that don't quite work, like the the flying ones, um, and of course the baboon monsters are just people in suits. But it's still it's still kind of fun. Uh, we learned a valuable lesson about Selenium. Uh, strangely enough, someone clearly thought this was going to be the next Ghostbusters because there was an Evolution animated series that came out the following year that aired on uh, the Fox Network. It's not good. I saw two episodes. It, it, oh. You should not look directly into <laughs> that animated series.
0: And wasn't the logo for this like a smiley face with three
1: eyes? Yeah, it was a smiley face with three eyes. Uh I also think this might be the origin of caca Kakaw.
0: Oh, is that where they're trying to get the flying alien to come down or
1: Yeah, as as near as I can tell, this is the first movie where we're saying Kakaw Kaka was a thing, but that shows up in a shocking amount of other movies, and I'm not sure why.
0: I think of Kaka Kaka. Oh, When you say that, it makes me think of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They have a running gag about the boys making this like protein drink that's out of like crows or something. <laughs> and I, I can't remember the name of the product, but they go Kaka Kaka in their like stupid promo video for it.
1: Yeah. The, other, the other thing that strikes me about this movie is it does it it ends with a straight up Head and Shoulders commercial. But it's one that's actually motivated by the story of the movie. Okay, then. It's a weird. Although, something else I discovered apparently, this was originally pitched and written as much more of a straight up horror movie about dealing with these infectious alien organisms. But when Reitman signed on to direct, I, I presume because, you know, he can handle. With Ghostbusters, it was proved he could handle a special effects heavy film. He rewrote the script and made it a comedy.
0: And at one point, way back in the eighties, Ivan Reitman was supposed to direct Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
1: Man, I would love to see that.
0: But when he met with Douglas Adams, he thought uh, Reitman thought that the idea wasn't very funny.
1: <laughs> oh dear! Did he did he ever read the book, or was he just going off like the premise as described by Douglas Adams?
0: Maybe just the premise. I don't know, and I think probably at that time Douglas Adams was kind of not tired of the characters, maybe tired of the premise because he'd done you know a few different times by that point, doing it as a radio play, doing it as an adaptation into a novel with a few of the sequels. Don't forget now the he's text to adventure, sell, like the original idea as a Hollywood movie.
1: <laughs> God, we could do a whole podcast on versions of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy we didn't get, including the all puppet version.
0: Had Douglas Items not died when he did, I don't think we, I think we still would not see that movie today. Although, mm-hmm. with Disney owning Fox, I don't, like, why not do, you could remake that, I would think, <laughs> right? Because not enough people saw that uh, one in the 2005 or whatever it was.
1: Well, I, I am sure, like, within 10 years, there's going to be another adaptation. I mean, look at how, look at how many times Dune has been adapted.
0: Um, I was a bit surprised that the BBC did a radio play of the Hitchhiker's book
1: not written by Douglas Adams. Oh, the and another thing?
0: Yeah. And I kind of want to track that down. I'm sort of curious.
1: know, huh. well, it might be worth it. It might, it might capture some of the old magic.
0: And as, You know, the same people as Arthur Dent and so forth, or the ones that are alive, at least. Uh, so, on that cheery note, I, uh, you know, so we got our tickets in advance to see Avengers Endgame, and we're going to see that next uh, Saturday. Nice. So I'll have to try not to get spoiled by the internet, which is going to be hard to do, because there's already been
1: stuff floating around out there. Including conspiracy theories that the thing that was leaked is, in fact, a fake-out.
0: Um, I read some of the leak. Because I was just curious as to see what it was, and I don't know. I mean, we'll see soon enough. It's I I do think it'll do some sort of um, time travel thing, and and uh, but I don't know. I don't really. I didn't read the original comic. I've been sort of trying to stay away with what actually happens, but um, I have a, a feeling time travel or, or of some sort will be involved, but maybe
1: not. Well we'll we'll have to see and we'll have to see whether it and if there is time travel, we'll have to see if it handles it better than Terminator Genesis.
0: Very good. But um yeah, but anyway to to prep for that, what I saw is I finished a movie I, I had watched a little bit to prep for for a panel. Um on the Marvel movies I did not too long ago, uh at Wizard World Portland Con. I am talking about Ant Man versus the Wasp.
1: No, it's Ant Man and the Wasp. God damn it. Yeah, they they right. don't versus each other.
0: Nope, they don't. Um I thought this was okay. I didn't really like Ant-Man that much either. I think this one with with the Wasp, they uh, they give her more to do. I think the the storyline has a has a better central goal of trying to rescue the the mother of the Wasp uh played by Michelle Pfeiffer in a, a really very very small part. I thought it was going to be a bigger role in the film. Um but the special effects where they go into the quantum realm, I think are are really uh, pretty and quite good.
1: It's 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 really neat psychedelic imagery. I also love that bit with like the tardigrade field. That was strangely enough, they made tardigrades seem majestic.
0: Yes, and um the the clip they play mid credits is, you know, it really does tie in to um the Avengers uh, Infinity War stuff. I think pretty nicely. So I, I watched that. And what else did I watch? Uh, I've been watching a YouTube series by Jeremy Parrish where he's reviewing the Virtual Boy games one by one.
1: Oh, wow well, is Is he also doing like some of the Japanese exclusive Virtual Boy games?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Oh my God! He so so that means has he has he done the Call of Cthulhu one that was only released in Japan? Because I want to see coverage of that.
0: Um, you have to look on a site and see. I don't think he's quite done yet, but he's been tracking down a lot of the foreign stuff. And uh, I just watched the video he did on uh, on two games in particular. One, so I mean, to explain to our listeners, the Virtual Boy was a an ill-conceived, uh, although I think in some ways ahead of its time, virtual reality console that uh, either ate through batteries or he had to plug into the wall and put it on a. And in fact, it, it it did graphics with um in this bright horrendous red color on top of things.
1: And also, you didn't red. wear it like a headset. You had to put the headset no. on something and then lean into it.
0: Right. So it's the ergonomics aren't really, and it has a controller too, which you would need. Um, so the ergonomics aren't really there. It, I think within less than a year, they they killed it. My mom got it for my cousins with a bunch of games for like less than fifty bucks, like. Yeah, <laughs> after is out for barely a year and GameStop is trying to get rid of it. Um and yeah, this uh, I saw the review on the the Waterworld game based on the movie, which wow, which is a weird sort of almost like an arcade game where you're trying to protect the humans from the pirates and you can kind of zoom around in this kind of limited uh,
1: area. Is there a mini game where you have to pee into a filter contraption? Mm,
0: nope, there's not. Um And, But but it uses the weird kind of Mortal Kombat effect that was common at the time, where they took live-action footage and then made it into sprites. But then when that has the bright red colors on top of it, it looks like you're looking at a bunch of corpses in the water. Like, it's very weird. Um, Also, he does a review of a perhaps the only video game with a tie-in to Nintendo's magazine, Nintendo Power, Nestor's Funky Bowling which was a bowling game featuring their comic book star,
1: Nestor. Huh. I I'm kind of shocked Nestor ever appeared in a game.
0: Yeah, and he looks a bit off model and it's very weird. Um and there's a female version of Nestor in there as well, which good for inclusivity, but um and you can't play as Howard, which I think is pretty strange because it was Howard and Nestor for quite some time. So, yeah, so Jeremy Parrish's um, Virtual Boy videos are, are worth the watch. A lot of strange stuff out there. Um, I think you had even less than 20 games come out in the US.
1: Huh, yeah, well, I, I'm going to have to look up this video series. I am fascinated with the Virtual Boy. I only played it once because a cousin of mine had it, and I played one game, which I think might have been like the 3D Tetris for it. And after five minutes, it just felt like, I don't like this. I don't want to return to this.
0: It, I, I do recall it did have an a error message that said, do not let children under the age of seven play this because it's not safe for your eyes. <laughs> 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 I think the, the good thing is when he does these videos, he puts some kind of a filter on it where it makes everything look grayscale, unless he wants to show how it looks red. Because even on a computer screen, it's painful for the eyes to look at.
1: It's a real aggressive red. It's like it's like being shot directly in the eyes by a laser pointer.
0: Which, given the technology, maybe that's how they did it. I don't know, but it's <laughs> yeah. Not to mention, I mean, people meant uh, they make a point of, you know, they had demo models of the Virtual Boy you could play at the store, and it's like, do you want to stick your head? and eyes into a thing that other people have stuck their head and eyes into into a thing that hasn't been cleaned. Like that's like a, <laughs> an excuse for pink eye or something. To
1: What we do is we take some of those telephone sanitizers and we get them a side gig sanitizing Virtual Boy demo sets.
0: But then over time, the sanitizers would probably break down the rubber on the outside of the... Yeah, I don't know how that well, would
1: work. Well, that's when we put them on the B-Arc and we send them to another planet.
0: That'll take care of it. Okay, um, anything else you've been watching? or
1: um, Nothing that won't add another half hour to this show. Okay,
0: so next week we'll be looking at a trilogy of movies, one of which is a reboot. This is Thrasher's Choice. It is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers.
1: It's, it's about time. <laughs>
0: To be clear, we'll be looking at the 90s uh, Power Rangers the movie, followed by Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, followed by the, the relatively recent um, Power Rangers movie, which I've seen some places listed as Saban's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh yeah,
1: because they got the rights back. Uh, and I was just going to say, how, how like, pretentious is it? Turbo, a Power Rangers movie? That's such an overly elegant title. It
0: is, and you know, I'm, I think we mentioned this before, but I'll just flat out ask you, since I've never seen the Power Rangers series, of course I was aware of it, because it was tough to avoid it. Should I watch an episode of the old show before watching the movie, or should I just jump into the movie cold?
1: You know, I, for the sake of the show, I would suggest going into the first movie cold only because I really want to hear the perspective of somebody who's, okay. who has not seen the show. Sure. That and being said... Before we do Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, I think you should see a few episodes of the show. Um, Is there so a streaming service that
0: has the English version of the show?
1: Um, it's got to be streaming somewhere. If not, there. uh actually, I think I can send you some YouTube links because some of there okay. were some like promotional videos released that are like compilations. A lot of those have been uploaded to YouTube and aren't available oh, anywhere lo- else. So.
0: so if I can't find it on one of my services, I'll, I'll look on
1: YouTube then. Sounds good. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so Power Rangers was a big thing. I think it's still, they still make new episodes of it, right?
1: Yes, there was a hiatus, but then when Saban got the rights back, they put it back into production. So, as far as I know, they're still airing new episodes, even today.
0: So, there you go. All right, so, um, follow me on Twitter, at M-A-T-W-B-T.
1: You can follow me on Twitter, at Internet
0: Mayor. So, for Sequelcast 2, uh, oh, follow the show on Uh, facebook just look up sequel cast 2 and like the page our theme music is performed
1: by mark with a c
0: yep go to apple podcast leave a review for our show um i'd like to get some feedback we don't really get a lot i think the last time i got feedback on a itunes review um it said there's the guy that sounds enthusiastic and then there's the guy that sounds like a robot and i'm the guy that sounds like a robot that's one of my favorite reviews
1: (laughs) i remember that review I wouldn't call myself enthusiastic. i call myself puckish. So I think that reviewer is way off.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so. Oh, we cool, do have uh, a scene to do. <laughs> we do have a scene. God damn it. Okay.
1: Let yeah, me th- pull it up. Yeah, th- this is after. So this is in the hospital. This is after time-traveling John Connor Terminator has showed up. But. uh but, and and after people have realized it's a Terminator, but before the merry chase begins,
0: and what part do you want to play?
1: Oh gosh, I kind of want to do John Connor, uh, but that's okay. only because I want to do a Quentin Tarantino voice.
0: All right, so it'll be John Connor. I'll be Kyle Reese. This is John Connor presenting himself to Kyle Reese
1: and Sarah Connor. He's just he's just morphed the scar off his face. Mm-hmm. I was sent to 2014 to safeguard St- Skynet's creation in this time. And in less than 24 hours, no one will be able to stop Judgment Day. What do you want with us? I'm offering us a future. Together. A family. And if we refuse? Then you die. What a and choice. Th- this was the only excerpt from the movie I could find that wasn't exposition.
0: Right. So, um, yeah, so as we said, next week we're going to look at the Power Rangers movie from the 90s, so be sure to, to track that down. You know, I was able to find a double feature of Power Rangers and Turbo for under 10 bucks on Amazon, so that might be your best bet. It could be streaming um, elsewhere. And the Power Rangers uh, reboot movie is streaming on a few different... I think it's on, like, Hulu and Amazon Prime or something right now in the it, United States. It's pretty available. Yeah, that one's available. Um, All right, so... For Sequel Cast 2, this is Matt.
1: And this is Thrasher. Same. You must mate with John Connor.
0: Okay.
1: And thus the porn parody This Ain't Terminator again uh, begins.